it's amazing. We're starting a year, and I just wanted to reflect on the fact that sometimes we put goals for a year, a re year's resolution. And as a church, as we started this year, we started talking on hospitality and how to practice the principle of hospitality. And I don't know about you, but I felt really challenged myself. Um, I've been Christian for many years, and how easily we can get into our comfort bubbles and forget to look out and to see the people that God has put right in front of us, around us. Um, so last week, um, I think we, if you remember, we saw the video from Wendy. And I was particularly challenged because as a mom, since I became a mom, I don't think I can quite be out there with my, I mean, on top of my house cleaning. I'm always behind. And suddenly I realized how easily things can get along on our way and stop us to practice hospitality. Um, so as we heard last week, Jess, I think n none of us can probably forget the moment when everything went to the floor. <laughs> that was quite real. <laughs> but the picture, the image of the wine and the bread. Ah. And one of the things that Jess said last week that really stuck with me was Jesus didn't just do things, serve people. He ate with them. He lived life. He identified with the people that he was with. And I remember that really shook my heart. I left and thinking, because you probably have seen some homeless around, and that picture of Jesus identifying, sitting down with people, spending time, giving his time, really shook my heart. Um, so as a church, our aim, our heart behind all this series has been to change the way that we live, the way that we see, to stir our hearts, because quite easily we can get into our comfort place. Um, but as the year began, uh, as I was thinking about today, I was hoping that it's not just a month thing, that hospitality is not just about January, and then we finish the series, and that's over, and we move on to something else, and we kind of forget. Our heart is that this is going to become who we are, part of our character. I, I don't know, whoever was here on Friday was so inspiring to see all the pr new projects and things, dreams for the future as a church. And as we are um, coming together into the position of becoming independent and I was just blown away if you look back and see what God has already done so far. And to stand now where we are and look to the future and see what God has next. And the challenge is that as we started the year talking on hospitality, that it's not going to just be something now but it's going to enter deep in our hearts that as we continue this year and the years ahead to come, as we dream together as a family of God here in Seafood, 
that hospitality will be part of who we are. This is our challenge. Um, so today, we're looking into practicing hospitality in radical ways like Jesus, Jesus' lifestyle, how he led by example, how he modeled hospitality to us. Um, I want to read in, I think it should come up, in John 2, 1 to 10. It's an amazing story. Jesus' first miracle actually happened in, in a wedding. A common wedding become a place of a miracle. Something very ordinary. We all go to weddings, to parties. But somewhere along, a miracle happens. So let's read. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to, me, to do with me now? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out of and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted, the water now became wine and did not know where it came from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. I'm, I'm sure we probably all, most of us might, already heard this story, but I was really blown away. Do whatever he tells you to do. Now, I'm going to just give some examples of ordinary. We have our homes. We can open our homes to people to invite them in. Um, a few years ago, when I came through the project, a dear couple, Marcel and Lee, they were the reasons, they, the people that got used to inviting me in to come to the UK. And they were missionary pastors at where I was. And every Sunday after lunch, um, after church, they would invite all of the students to their home. And there was, it was a small home. I, and it quite remi I remind, um, Wendy reminded me of that. Because it was a very small place in comparison to, <laughs> but we would fit 30, 40 people. And we would just lay a seat on the floor and just grab very easy lunch after church. We'd go to Morris and get just some uh, ready meals. And it was the fact of being together. He knew we didn't have family around, so he invited us. So we, would, we became a family. And it was crucial for me at that point. It was so, so precious. So we as a church, we can open our homes. That's been our challenge, to open our hearts and our homes to the people God has placed around us. Um, the amazing thing about this story is that in a very simple, normal, everyday wedding, 
Jesus turns water into wine. That is a radical experience. And, and for most of us, probably we don't experience radical um, situations like this in our everyday life. Um, I have one experience that I never have again, but for me it was quite special. Um, a few years ago, I walked down the park, um, down the road to the park near where we are, and I met a lady, a Belgian lady with three kids. And as we started chatting, she invited me to her place. She, I'm not sure what happened, what the circumstances of her life were. They came from Belgium, somehow they were in Birmingham, then they turned up to be in New Haven, um, in, living in a boat behind our house uh, by the river. And she, as I came into her place, she started sharing how difficult it was because winter was approaching and she didn't have anything for winter because everything had to stay in Birmingham. And as it was, I was like, oh my goodness, winter is coming. They don't, three kids, no duvets, no winter clothes, and so many other things that they left back there. And, and she said they didn't have the means to, the, to go back to Birmingham to pick everything up. So I came home and said, Tiago, do you think we could go? And, and, and he's like, yeah, go. So 4 a.m., I asked a day off um, on a Saturday, and I went with her. We left around 4 a.m. Literally, we went to her house and packed. Mike was like, there was no room. I couldn't even see that. It was dangerous. I couldn't even see the back. So I was like, please, Laura, take me safely back <laughs> to New Haven. Um, and we came back on the same day. And she was really touched. Her husband was really touched by the whole situation. And um, so they invited us in into her boat uh, one evening with me and Tiago. And somehow we fitted there. <laughs> it was amazing. And I was just so blessed to see how simple things sometimes, if we are just maybe with our hearts open, God can touch our hearts and give us ideas and, and give us, prompt our hearts to do things that we probably wouldn't do normally. Um, and I remember my, my manager at the time told me, you're crazy, you're doing this for a stranger? And only then I was like, yeah, it is a stranger. <laughs> um, but I just felt conviction in my heart to do it. And I think... As a church, our challenge is to, to allow the freedom in our heart to the Spirit of God to touch our hearts and to obey. And as I was, uh, we were looking to this the story, there is a transition between the ordinary and the radical. And, and it's so amazing. It's, it's like almost like in the middle is what Jesus does and it's what Mary tells to, G, um, to the people. You can imagine the, the scenario. Imagine a wedding without a wine. Imagine how they felt when they realized that wine was over. The fear, the embarrassment, the shame. How can a wedding, wedding be out of wine? And in that moment of tense tension, Jesus' mom comes and says, do whatever he tells you. It might sound rude, strong. What do you mean? Who is he that I should obey, that I should listen to what he's saying? Why? Why do I need to do what he's telling me to do? But through obedience, these people, they just did something simple. They just grabbed the jars of water, filled with water, and then Jesus did the miracle. We are not the ones 
We are not the miracle workers. We are the ones to just obey and do the simple things and he would do the extraordinary. Um, as I was thinking about Jesus' life, there are so many examples of how he radically welcomed people in. It might sound to be funny, but I thought to just picture this in our minds. Sorry, this found weird. You might think, what are you doing? <laughs> but for me, when Jesus, this woman that was caught in adultery comes, they brought her in. Imagine how tense that moment was. According to the law at the time, they were supposed to stone her. But Jesus just sits very calmly and writes on the floor. Can you imagine that? In the, in the midst of that tension, of that pressure, to do what the law said that he was supposed to do. Someone was caught up in sin and deserved. Jesus just writes on the floor. And then he quietly stands and says, whoever has no sin, throw the first one. For me, this is crucial. As a church, as we open our hearts and our homes, we will encounter people in sin. How do we respond to that? This is where Jesus comes with grace. He says, no one condemned you. Each one left. As they all realized, we are all part of the same boat. We are all, we were part of this situation. We are sinners. We have been reached by the grace of God. And Jesus looked to the woman and says, I don't, I don't con condemn you. Go and sin no more. Another time, the leper. I mean, leprosy at the time was one of the worst things that could happen to anyone. People would make outcasts, isolated. Wherever they were danger to the community, it was contagious. Yet, somehow, this leper had the courage to risk everything and come to Jesus because he knew Jesus was the only hope for him. Now, Jesus does a crazy thing. He touched the leper. Everyone around would just try to hide and run away because they didn't want to be contaminated. But Jesus touched him. And what happens? Again, grace. The grace through the touch of Jesus set this person free. We are followers of Jesus. We are called followers of Jesus. And we are to imitate him, to follow, to be the touch that people need to bring grace, to bring freedom, to bring healing, to point to the only one who can say, I want to share a story you, you probably heard about the stabbing in New Haven. And it was right opposite on the corner of our, like opposite our home on the corner in the street, Elphick Road, has become quite popular recently. And ah, the, 
That morning, 4 a.m., we woke up, the bright light, we didn't know what was going on. Suddenly, we, the, 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 the light started to come, um, the day started to, to come, the light, the sun. And we could see what was going on, and to see that black tent, the men in white, suddenly we realized something really bad happened. But we didn't know what it was. But soon we realized, we saw them carrying the body. And the heaviness I felt, the sadness, the realization, I've been Christian since I remember existing. <laughs> but I don't think I ever felt the compassion I felt that day. I don't think I ever realized. Suddenly it was almost like something hit my heart. The realization, this person, we don't know who he was, but he was a person. Someone lost his life. Someone is giving account to God right this moment. Someone is facing eternity. And suddenly it was almost like my eyes were open to see the people around us. And we can be Jesus' hands, Jesus' feet, Jesus' voice to the people around us. I once saw an illustration and I thought to, to do it with you today as well. <laughs> um, because after the stabbing, I've been thinking a lot about eternity and life. I've, I'm surrounded by many people fighting cancer. We heard last week two people that we knew lost their lives. And it's just the thought that life is so short. And we hear that a lot of time. And we, sh we hear that as in a way, life is short. Let's do all the list of the things that we haven't done, our bucket list. But actually, life is short. Let's see the people around us that are about to face eternity at any point. We don't know our time, our day. May God open our hearts and our eyes to see the reality of eternity. The reality that people are facing judgment every day around us. And we have the news we have the good news. What are we doing? I, was, I saw this illustration once. Our life is like this, this tiny bit here on earth. And then we have all of this to live eternity. But somehow... We spend our lives, our days, our energy, our money, our dreams, our hopes, everything in, in this bit. And we forget eternity. My prayer has been that God help us to see this and the people around us, that we may be living this bit for this bit that we will be the voice of Jesus on earth. You can imagine in that wedding, fear, shame, all of these things are contagious. You should have seen my street. Everybody was hiding on the stabbing after those days. 
I literally pray, Lord, where are the people? I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to maybe talk to some neighbors, but everybody was hiding. Fear. But when Jesus comes, grace is contagious. Love is contagious. Peace is contagious. We can be the contagion that we can spread the presence of God. We can carry Jesus' presence with us wherever we go. And we, if we only are prepared to lay down our lives, to see that this here, this moment we are, has no comparison to eternity. That the struggles, the challenges, the, the sorrows, the anything that we go through has no comparison to the joy set ahead. Have you ever wondered what made Jesus being so radical? For me, I wonder if it was because he knew he had a time. He was full of the Spirit, but he knew his calling. He knew there was a time. I do wonder if each one of us knew we had one year to live, two years to live, three years to live, ten years to live, fifty years to live, what our priorities would be. How would we wake up every morning? How would we respond to the situations in our lives? if we only knew how long we had left. By the grace of God, we can, the Holy Spirit can soften our hearts, that we may, like Jesus, lay down our lives and do what the Spirit says to us, do whatever He tells you to do. I want to challenge you, you might be new, you might never have heard of Jesus before. And the question is, are you ready to do whatever he tells you in this bit of life that we have, this journey that we're passing by? He, the Bible says that Jesus knocks the door he doesn't push, he doesn't force anything into us. Here in the story, we see Jesus was invited to the wedding. Are we willing to invite Jesus into our parties, our lives? And us, Mary, are we re really, re um, really ready to be radical and to say, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Jesus' words in Acts 20.35 says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's, as we look the year ahead, let's invest our days, our lives, our strength, our gifts, our money, everything we are to give like Jesus gave. He gave it all. He gave it all. So for we could be here standing today after 2,000 years. May we also 
surrender our lives so they may others be with us. There will come a day that every knee will bow. Regardless people believe or not, there will come a day when all of us will bow before him. May the choices that we do today be with the thought of eternity. One thing, um, look if you can put the last verse, please. Jesus' words. In Matthew 25, 34. I want to read from the screen. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Let's invest a very short life like Jesus and surrender and sacrifice. Make in love. Do whatever he tells you.